An Unfinished Life, written by Mark Sprague and read by Tony Amendola and Judith Marks. These wrinkles are nothing. These gray hairs are nothing. This stomach which sags with old food, these bruised and swollen ankles, my darkening brain, they are nothing. I am the same boy my mother used to kiss. Mark Strand, not dying. Chapter One The sapwood snaps and shifts in the low-bellied stove, and the heat swells up against the roof boards and weathered fir planking, and the whole small building seems to groan. It's the first cool night of the fall, a good night for a sweat, and Einar adjusts his wet back and ass in the webbing of the lawn chair. He feels the full weight of his seventy years and wishes he'd thought to bring a towel to drape over the webbing. But he was in here just this spring and hadn't remembered one then either. He scoops a dipper of water from the pail beside the chair and casts it across the stovetop where it sizzles and steams. He wishes he had known this was the way it was going to be. Some old son of a bitch should have explained getting old to me, he says aloud, and then bows his head against the wet pulse of the heat. Some old son of a bitch probably did, and I wasn't listening. The sweat drips from his nose and chin. He reaches his denim shirt from where he hung it on a nail, soaks it in the bucket, and then stands to wring it and mop his face and chest. He spreads the shirt over the chair and sits back down, staring at the chair that stands empty before him. Both chairs raised up on this platform into the heat. Through the west window he watches the amber moonlight on the pasture, and remembers the fall they skidded in the field stones and mortared them into the foundation under this board floor. The building was Griffin's idea. He'd said, Dad, I need it. I really do. You need a sauna, Einar had asked. I'm a Viking, the boy said. It's what the Vikings did. All of this twenty years ago, Mitch helping them frame the walls and the headers for the door and windows, and Griffin just a boy, but already used to working with the diligence of a man, and not a boy who'd ever asked for much. They put in a south-facing window, this one to the west, and a square of double-paned glass in the slanting roof so they could see the stars, and a smaller pane low in the east wall for the benefit of the boy's dog, so Carl could lie on the porch and stare in at them. When they were finished, Griffin took each man by the hand, standing between them, and bowed his head. God bless this place, he said. He was serious, original, not just repeating something he'd heard. Is there anything else you need? Mitch had asked. The boy shaded his eyes, looking up at the man. You could sit in here with us. Mitch's face shone even blacker in the sun, like wet obsidian. Even though I'm no Viking, he bent down over the boy. Even though my great-granddad was an African man. Does that mean no? Griffin asked. Mitch shoved him away playfully, the way men roughhouse with boys. I guess I won't, he said. I believe I've sweated enough in this life already. Einer smiles at the clarity of the memory. He works his jaw and his ears pop as if he were descending from a great height. The old dog fidgets on the porch, then settles its gray jowls on its crossed forepaws and stares in through the little window. His name's Carl, but it's not the original Carl. Just another dog taken from the town shelter, worked, and fed, and given a place to rest and grow lame. 
The first Carl lies buried behind the barn, dead and buried like his son Griffin and his wife Ella. He straightens in the chair and wonders if the dog wishes it had a boy for company, not his boy, just some other kid. He wonders what it is that dogs long for, or if they long, maybe they just wait patiently for some improvement in their lives. He thinks he's a man who knows something of waiting, but the heat's gotten to him, and he feels his stomach come up and shorten his breath. He cracks a window and sucks at the draft of night air. He drops his head back and stares through the window in the roof. Pegasus has risen in the dark sky, poised as if for a run of magic. Oh, that's what he used to think. Now he looks at the stars and sees only a silent, uncaring witness, and tonight feels this press of steam-thick heat, smells the odor of living wood reduced to ash. No magic. He pops a wooden match with his...